0: plushcare.com slash weight loss Hello, you're very welcome to this week's podcast My name is Maurice O'Keefe and this week it's a snapshot of antique dealers in Ireland in the 1960s and 70s
3: Well Francis Street grew up and my cousin Moorhead uh, came in and worked for me and I taught her everything
0: And the wheeling and dealing that went on in the antiques business
2: I came in yesterday, for instance, I came in with something uh, asking me, now sir, a 150 I want for it, and I bought it for 30 euros in the end. You know, it's a battle of wits.
0: A what some dealers had to put up with.
4: We'd be putting the lamps on the lorry and they'd be nicking them out of the back of the lorry and coming round again trying to sell it, sell it. But that was life, we understood it all, we never worried about it.
0: And the experts in the trade spotting that something wasn't right.
1: So I said, well, I know these. I know these pictures very well. They're from uh, Killarney House. One
0: of the greatest characters in the antiques business.
5: <laughs> I can't your own sad moments, but, Jesus, you have some crack. Yeah. Even your bad deals when you think about it. Yeah. You think, jeez, oh, I bought that now and go there. That, that. Ooh, you'd be in a high. Then you'd be in a low and then you'd say, hey, if it,
0: So let's get started. Jane Williams, originally from Tullamore in County, Offaly, was one of the first women antique dealers in Dublin in the 1960s. But this this was back in the 1960s, so... Yeah, I started
3: on my own in um, 67, I think, when I moved into the shop, in Kildare Street. Now, I was on the corner... Okay. Right on the corner, Kildare Street and Nassau and and Moulsworth Street, and then uh, I rented the premises, which was in the one of the houses in Molsworth Street. Yeah. Now the first part, and I rented it gorgeous big room, and it was magic. Now absolute magic. This enormous big room uh, had a little front room which I kept as an office. And. So, your interest
0: in antiques was was oh, always yes. there,
3: always there. And did that
0: stem from, say, your mother bringing you to auctions yes. in the early days? Yes, uh,
3: she brought me. We always went to every auction that was in anywhere in Ireland, and we'd have our little picnic with us. And of course, in those days, the auctions were in the houses. You know, yeah. you know, they're not allowed any longer. Uh, but that's it. And we'd open up the little bag and have our. Um, Sandwich, and um, I suppose that's what started me. The auction rooms in Dublin, down by the keys. Oh, yeah, they were fabulous. They were marvelous. They really were, and and of course, uh, well in those days, yes, they were all. Uh, it was a very. I think I was third, if not second female. Mrs. Spain, Eileen Spain, I think she was the first. Yes, and then Phyllis Jackson. Yeah. who had a little, and I started with Phyllis. She taught me a lot. I used to run. She asked me would I run her little shop opposite the Gaiety for three months or something, uh, because she was going away, and that really caught me altogether. And I ran it for her for the three months. Did you know people like the Orkin brothers? Oh, did I what? Oh, I knew them, yeah. Yeah. They were something else. It's a wonderful book. I'd love to write a book on that. Oh, I knew the Orkins well. And... Uh, they
0: were... Uh, and the I,
3: wines. Yes. Uh, Uncle Harry, as I called him, he was very fat, very big man. And I used to go during... When I was working in Brown... Brandth- I worked in Brown Brandth- Thomas's... Um, in the antique department for a while.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating. And, and uh, what about paintings and silver? Was paintings? No,
3: I never did paintings. You might take they are little painting or something. Yeah. But no, silver, yes. Yeah. Love silver. Oh, yes. I had some good pieces of silver. And did it give you a good living? Did you enjoy your antiquity? Oh, I loved days. it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I won't say whether it gave me a good living or not. I suppose it did. I had the good living anyway. Uh, yes, I loved it. And you met, I mean, I had some wonderfully interesting people yeah. in the shop. Well, as I say, Grace Kelly. She wasn't so great, really. Um, he was, they came in separate. Yeah. Uh, he was, oh, I felt for him in a big way. Unbelievably charming. Yes. Rainier, unbelievable Yes. And uh, who else? Endless. A uh, lot of the stars came in. And of course, being at the gates of the doll, uh, some of the famous people would come in or see the old shop window and, and come in. Perhaps well, so. Francis Street grew up, and my cousin, Moorhead, uh, came in and worked for me. I taught her everything. And then she said she really would have to start on her own. And she left me, and she went down and started in um, Francis Street. She's done very, very, very well, really, Rosanne. She's great. She gives lectures and everything. And um,
0: but it's uh, you were there right at the beginning of uh, when when uh, antiques were getting very.
3: Popular I was. Yes, uh, that that uh, that was the interesting thing. And back
0: in those early days, there was always the possibility of getting caught in a scam. And this is what happened to Jane Williams. And it was a lesson that she learned earlier on in her trading, which she never forgot.
3: This guy came in to me and said uh, that a uh, a relation had died in Kilkenny. And he had come over to uh, sell things... Uh, for the will, etc., etc., and would I be interested. Of course, mugs me, yes, I would be interested. And I went to, I was the only person that got into the flat, the police were marvellous with me in end, got into his flat, and he had all the things I wanted, you know, lovely fire irons, little tables round tables, desks, all the things and, and you know what I think he kept saying how sorry he was about his grandmother, etc, etc. And of course I was totally taken in. Now it was early on mm-hmm. and then uh got all my checks and away the with them. And the next thing was oh God, I'll never forget it. Two burly detectives. Spurly now it's time to go. Walked into the shop and said, uh, did I know whatever the fella's name was? And I said, yes. And then they looked around and they said, that, that and that is all stolen. And then went back to us. And, of course, I got into a terrible state. And uh, they said, I said, well, what happens? Because I've sold a lot of his things. Mm. And they said, look, we'll forget that. Forget you've told us that. So and I, I had I to, sw- I had to, it wasn't pleasant. So I,
0: that really was a setback, a that big was
3: a, setback.
0: A big setback yeah. and
3: a hell of a good lesson.
0: On the 6th of May 1969, the Antique Dealers Association was set up and George Stackpool
2: was a founding member. I was on the, the first founding of the, of the association. I was one of the founding um, members of the association, which is now, oh, golly, 50 years it is, since it's been founded, 50-odd years ago. And it was a very different uh, antique world then to what it is today, as we've already sort of vaguely said. And, and we had many, many wonderful uh, gatherings together. Uh, sadly, all died. We used to go on wonderful conferences around Europe with the, to meet all the other antique dealers once a year. We had such wonderful, jolly times out of it. Um, and, and, um, but it's, it's all become... I don't think there dealers around today like there were dealers around then. I mean, I think a lot of the dealers are very superficial um, and, and a lot of them don't collect. Mm-hmm. Don't know the difference between a lot of things, you know. Okay, I'm, I'm maybe wrong. Correct corrected. I don't know the difference between some of the more modern things, but but it, it's a very changed world. But certainly, the association we had a, a wonderful, wonderful following during the
0: 1960s. George Stackpole was employed by the Estate Management and Supply Association in Limerick City. And he got to know a lot of the Irish country houses and made many contacts. But when the business closed down, he then very quickly established his antique business in the same premises.
2: Well, well I gave up the, the, the estate management end of it; that, that came to an end, and the people involved and they they wanted they sell the places and say so, so that all came to an end. So, so then I started to concentrate on 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 the business. I wanted a deal so I started to put stuff into the shop in the office as you might say in Cecil Street and um, that's where the shop started and and when did that first
0: hit you you know that inspiration uh, you know that I suppose had you built up collections or uh, yeah, you know how I suppose, did you, get, uh, how'd
2: you uh, start I suppose so I had a little bit of money not very much a, few, a couple of thousand something in chairs my father had given me and I sold them and put them into it and just started doing there but the interesting thing was in a sense was the fact that I worked for this company uh, and had all these amazing clients um, properties we looked after and they and everyone else and were members and in those days um people um, would suddenly love some of the properties for shorter money and then and I'd get into the most amazing house, houses uh, yeah. and buy the contents or whatever
0: but to, the knowledge to build up you know you uh, as you are now an expert in, in a bluffer! Art, <laughs> in, in, in 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 the fine arts really yeah. uh, so where did that
2: you know, well, it, I was sort was of always just, interested in something. I, I was yep. always buying and selling and looking at things. You know, and and then it and became, was
0: that self-taught, really.
2: Oh, totally. Yes, no, 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 never had any, never been educated in my life. For God's sake, <laughs> went to school, suffered being at school, <laughs>
0: well, never, never, never. but. You started in in the sixties, you know, this, yeah, this little yeah. shop, and yeah. I mean, it, it, there was no interest at all at that time, or what? Yeah, you know, or was there? There,
2: there was a, there was an interest, yes. There, there, I mean, it was marvelous at the beginning because in those days, um, it, there was there were some serious collectors. I mean, it was collectors, some serious people who collected, and, and in those days it was easy. I had one particular one; you could just ring up and say, "Oh, George, I'm." I'm the same as me, but I mean, you ring up and so say, I've just been to and house and I've got a lovely picture or lovely whatever i think we'd like it he said he'll bring it up to me and i'll have a look and buy it you know yeah. and, and you would never hesitate in saying, now how am i going to pay it let's see i've got all these checks and i've and wrote on the back and passed you on somebody else's check and that and that was the way one and he was amazing collector and he found an incredible but there were people like that around there were yeah. serious collectors which aren't yeah. today i mean the very few serious i mean the Few serious collectors buying the, some of these paintings, which um, mm. you know that sort of thing. But they're, you know, they, they were there were collectors all through the antique styles, pieces, china, furniture, you know, pictures, prints. You know, no, not specialists. They were just furnishing their houses or doing what.
0: Well. But I suppose when you were uh, investing uh, uh, a lot of money in, into buying, say, a painting or. You you know, you were taking a chance, but was that something that you well, that's all part of the fun of it, fun of it, yeah. Yes,
2: and I never worried. I mean, again, I never worried if I sold a bargain. I always remember one day at the very start of it, um, three dealers came to the shop together: Ronnie Macdonald, Jerry Kenyon, and um, Paul Johnson Senior. And I had some Chinese plates. And I loved buying Chinese plates in those days. And they came in, and I was very embarrassed. I bought them from Leonard Clark, a dealer in Cork, and he was always considered quite expensive. Of course, now you look back and you think, God, they're for nothing. But anyway, it's all relative to the time. Um, and I said, look, I think I paid 80 quid for them. I'd sell them for 90 Done. and they knocked them out in front of me they had a little auction they paid 400 I think for them in the end but that never worried me because people to make a big profit on it and I think that is the important thing about dealing because um they all came back to me yeah because they knew I was worthwhile doing it and I know other people who bought things and statues and things and made 20 and 30 thousand but that delighted well done them yeah. I, I got my profit Goodbye.
0: On. And in the 1970s, George Stackpool moved from Limerick City
2: down to Adair in West Limerick. In Adair, there was this house on the street, which had been a private house and had been on the market for a long time. And I bought it for 12,000. Mm-hmm. And there, there we are still today.
0: And after opening his antique business in Adair, he found it to be an exceptionally good location to have his antique business.
2: And when we came here, um, uh, first, uh, I mean, the, the trade on a Saturday used to be, you might see a half a dozen, dozen traders coming in through, see. through Adair, going down to Rathcule, of course, as well. You know, but- and, and and the and Simon was open across the street. So yes, it, indeed, uh, and that was all th- th- he opened about a year before I opened. Uh, a lot, was, a yeah.
0: lot of those uh, uh, rat-keel, um antique dealers started off as, as, as cattle <laughs> cattle dealers, really. I mean, they, oh yeah, they, they, and and, they, they, and, uh, and developed and, and got to, yeah, you know,
2: I did all sorts of things. Yes, cattle dealers and and. Um, I suppose they were tinsmiths, I suppose, originally. I mean, that sort of thing, doing that sort of thing. I don't know, you know, the mm-hmm. basics. Basic, basic um, hawking.
0: Did you get always get on well with them? Was it, was there ever...
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I have. I mean, I mean, they're, they're funny people. I mean, as I say, you, you can be as rude as hell to them and it just sort of doesn't upset them at all. <laughs> they come back again. and like, well, Yeah, I always get on to them. and, and You know, they're all... They're, they're um, uh, some of them are, are quite are difficult to, as we all know too well, difficult to do. They <laughs> came in yesterday, for instance. They came in with something uh, asking me, now, sir, one hundred and fifty I want for it," and I bought it for thirty euros in the end. <laughs> it's a battle of wits, as you, as you well know, isn't
3: it?
1: Well, I tell you particularly. Um, Interesting job I used to have was doing the insurance valuations for uh, the McShains at Killarney House. Killarney House, of course, is the old stable block of the original house, which was pulled down when uh, they took the bad advice of Queen Victoria to move the house.
0: A former senior valuer and consultant, Nick Nicholson, is now in an exclusive consultancy role at Adams, and he is responsible for conducting nationwide valuations and appraisals.
1: I became very familiar with the contents, and uh, two portraits came into Adams years later after the last of the machines died, and she'd gone back to Philadelphia, and had been handed over to the OPW uh, th- by uh, head and shoulder portraits by Hugh Douglas Hamilton of the Earl and Countess of Kenmare, and then they, and they, they'd come over from England. They'd been bought in a sale in England, and then shortly afterwards another uh, large 17th century portrait of one of the uh, Browns fetched up at Adams as well. So I said, Well, I know these. I know these pictures very well. They're from uh, Killarney House. So we rang um, Macross and said, We've got these pictures of uh, the Kedmeres. Perhaps you would uh, like you get someone to buy them for, for Kedmer. The reply was, No, we don't need them. We have the exact same already uh, oh, well, that was strange wasn't it yes which was strange so and then something else an object turned up I can't remember what it was so that we rang back and said look you, you better just go and check as to your status because I know the Killarney House is is being refurbished and that everything everything's been moved to store You better check so then we had this crestfallen thing came back that the store, I'm not saying it was cleared out, but it was certainly missing a huge amount of objects. And this, these pictures had been stolen and had fetched up in England, luckily come back to us, and we were able to intervene, call the guards and get them back to the people of Ireland to whom they belonged. But it really was. Uh, it really is quite a blot on the copybook.
0: Well, that's a fascinating story, <laughs> and and so this this would have been
1: MacShane's daughter who was it's a nun yeah. in America, and it had inherited. She she was the last one. I don't know. I think there was quite a lot. Of, it was. I don't know how the ownership worked. I was never part of that. But I think there were trusts and blah blah. Uh, but she certainly then. Uh, presided over the handover of the rem- remnants of the estate to, effectively, the people of Ireland.
0: Great character in the antiques business was Jerry Kenyon, and he was
4: well known by all antique dealers up and down the country. I'd got myself a little shop in South William Street, and Paul Johnson was across the road in another little shop. And then I got a client... Who wanted oil lamps, an American who wanted oil lamps.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
4: And um, I went down to Rathkeel. And um, they were very rough in those days. Things were, were they were even t- worse off than we were. And uh, we'd buy, it. they'd go around the cottages around the country. It was electrification of Ireland. And all these houses, little cottages, everyone had lamps. That's right. so they'd have four or five lamps and we we'd, I'd buy them and I'd have a lorry brought down and we'd load them all on the back of the lorry and have to watch them because we'd be putting the lamps on the lorry and they'd be nicking them out of the back of the lorry and coming round again trying to sell it selling, uh, but that was life, we understood it all, never worried about it. (laughs) Then I bought brass candlesticks, Mm -hmm. I've collected brass candlesticks, there's a wonderful pair. Oh
0: beautiful, yes. There's
4: 1600 that pair. The story, I'm going to tell you the story of Jerry Kenyon now.
0: Do, yes please. (laughs) When
4: an old gentleman was a first left second Lieutenant in the Army in the first world war in the trenches, the same as my old man, and that he, he had a great house here, and he if had no money, he had that working great house and some land i think and I came in one day and he dad said to him I was going to Ireland, and he said, Well, tell him Gerald, come and see me in the house, so when I'm next over there, I'll be over there in a couple of months or something." So I went to home, went to the house, and it was a whacking great house and it was full of not very nice, exciting, nothing very exciting. So I went round the house and came into this room. And in this room was a Chippendale cabinet by Chippendale, not named, but manufactured by Chippendale, illustrated in the book we have in the hall. Um, we have the second edition of the Chippendale, three editions of Chippendale. We have the second one, and it's illustrated in the book. Anyway, Dad had £2,000 secret money that he got uh, for being shot at. He got five or fourpence a day or something pension, and he had £2,000. So I looked at this cabinet, and it was full are possibly at that stage a £100,000 worth of porcelain. Wonderful things, a pair of Augustus... i never forgotten them, a pair of Augustus Rex parrots. Oh. In those days worth £15,000, but today worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. And
0: all of this came with... All the, of in
4: the, the, cabinet. the cabinet. See, so me being a clever bugger, said, I'd like to buy the cabinet. And he said, oh, would you buy the cabinet? Yeah, I said, yeah. How much would you give for that? And I said, I'd give £2,000 for it, which nearly fell his head off, because I should have said £200. And he said, oh, that, of course, will include all the china. Oh, no, I said, not the china, just the cabinet, like a bloody fool. And uh, he said, no, I'll keep it. I had to wait five or ten years until the sale of the house, and we bought the the cabinet for five or six thousand pounds. And uh, it was it was a lot of money. Where well, we bought it was a hell of a lot of money. It was yes. And uh, uh, Bert Heaton's... Do you remember Bert Heaton? I do.
0: They were down by the... Athlone in Athlone. Yes. Mm.
4: And Bert bought antiques, always buying things. And he went to Miss... What was that woman in Dublin? Miss... Breen? Miss Breen, yes. that's it. And he asked her to, to bid for him. And she bid this cabinet up. Otherwise, I'd bought it for shillings. But anyway, uh, we bought the cabinet and we sold it for £11,000 to somebody in, uh, in the antique a dealer... Who restored it and they've eventually sold it to somebody in Spain and that's 50 years ago 40 50 years ago and how much did it make then it, it was I don't know it was perhaps 15 20 thousand you know it was a lot of money it turned up in Christie's three or four years ago and made three and a half million well
2: he, he gave three and a half million for it they're, they're an extraordinary clan of people and, and of course my great friend really and he was brilliant was Simon Quilligan there's no doubt he was the the, the, the best of the whole lot I mean and and he was a delight to to um, deal with he was always very fair You could always do a deal with him and I miss him terribly because he died what I suppose five years ago or so now Um because every day, if he was in, he'd come and sit in the shop for half an hour, and he'd have this amazing memory. Um, do you remember um, such and such a place? Oh, that table over there. Um, yes, that came out of such and such. And do you remember the? You know, he had of, he couldn't read, couldn't write. And when I was first I used to have to read his letters because his son he'd bring the letters across for me to read. Um, but eventually he got away with it, bluffed his way, I suppose. I don't know. How long have you this place, Simon?
5: I'm here since about 1980, I'd say.
0: Who did you buy it off of? Well, of an auctioneer. to Corsi's, I think. And who did it belong to originally?
5: Oh, or it belonged to uh, Costello.
0: He was a doctor. Yeah and uh, of course you've been it's a, it's always been a very lucky place for you. It was a good old spot, yeah, oh, this is a great place. I recorded Simon quilligan in his antique shop in Adair in two thousand and thirteen. The contents that's here in your place it, it, do you know everything that's in the in the premises I know I, everything
5: I bought here anyway
0: right? <laughs> um i mean everything Every everything would have cost something everything has a story do, do you research the background to no. stuff you buy no just buy it I mean that lovely f- French piece there did, did, do you know the history of that or, or, or if I told you, you where I bought that I bought that in
5: in an antique fair in France in Italy in what the fucking hell I remember the about that oh, down near Palmer hmm. we were down there me and Michael and another at that fair ah a disaster yeah Fuck, we're out money. I bought that. but That's the 1930s thing now. It it, it looks older than what it is. But it's not bad, it's nice in the top. I bought that and for our whole run we're out 1500 expenses. I bought that and I can't sell it for about 500 and a mirror and another mirror and I sold the two mirrors and that's (laughs) all. Fucking badly. The Palmer. Down below the mix, the Palmer hand.
0: When did you start travelling into the continent? Oh, to start buying years, and selling. Years and years and years. Can you recall your first time first
1: heading time over there?
5: I went was I went the first time I went to Canada to buy, I was 76. No good, waste of time. We bought a few doctors' buggies there. Fucking hell, spend a week taking them asunder. Send them off to England. We lost money. <laughs> well we got a bit of money all, but jeepers yeah. the expenses. Yeah. I just go in down to Brimfield. That's on this week. Yeah. That's the biggest fair in the world. It's all done in field. We ever a Newick fair.
0: Oh yes, yes. Well it's yeah.
5: like it's like four Newicks Are you
0: going there for years?
5: Yeah, Brimfield. I I, well, I was to go now, only, but I couldn't go over this old cancer I have. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> were you there though back in the fifties and sixties? Like, Brimfield, yeah. no.
5: The first time I went to Brimfield was about nineteen eighty I'd say. Yeah. But you could buy things and sell them again there without moving off of the fair. Yeah. I it used to be English dealers go there and you'd run around if you got there first and bought it. But it's, 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 it's uh, ten to eight days it goes on for. Yeah. But there's ten acres of antiques, say, for two days. And the next... No, it goes on for eight, six days, I think, or eight days. Then there are another ten acres of antiques. Yeah the next two days. Then they're a day off and another
0: 10 acres. It's 30 acres of stuff from all over America. But what about the Irish Fair that goes on every year in the RDS? Are you are you so, the first in the door? I wouldn't go opens. there.
5: I didn't go outside the door of that place since when? In 10 years. Why not? How could you buy anything there? Since the good dealers stopped doing it, they're not much. Yeah no good dealers coming over there used to be a few familiar come over and back one thing or another
0: was there any good painting that you ever got that you I did I
5: bought two pictures in the sale in Limerick County Limerick for two thousand sold them for three and the fellow I sold them they got the guts of a million in England from. Really? I could have cried in that time
0: <laughs>
5: can you remember what paintings there were were you two went? big... I remember. Yeah. I ever forget him? Two big landscapes. Yeah. If I could turn the clock back, mm. I'd give everything I want to be 20 again. And so would you. Did you enjoy it? I did. Every fucking minute of it. Really? <laughs> I, of course, with your own sad moments, but, Jesus, you have some crack. Yeah. Even your bad deals when you think about it. Yeah. You think, Jesus, I bought that now and I go there. That, that. Ooh, you'd be in a high... Then you'd be in the law. Then you'd say, "I hey, fit." <laughs> yeah. And you wouldn't change a thing, Simon, would you? No. Tell you the truth, I wouldn't. I had a good old life, now. Yes, I had. The porter, of course. If the Guinness wasn't in it, you could forget about the whole lot. <laughs> you could forget about the whole life altogether. Yeah. People going through life without getting a couple of pints of Guinness or a good game of cards in a pub forty-five. Two pints sometimes. Do you like
0: your game of cards? I love a
5: no game of 45. Do you?
0: Yeah. And are you a gambler? No, I mean, no, I, so, I know you gamble with we furniture. We but play you play <laughs> a game
5: of 45, one pound a man, six fellas. Yeah. And you have three threes. Yeah. So if you win, you only get two pound back. And you play three games for the two pounds. <laughs> so the three games could take an hour. But it's the so fun. So to get one, earn one pound, you have to play. Of course it's the fun. Jesus, without the fun of it, would you play him? You would in your backside. You
0: just mentioned, uh, you know, the the, the names, uh, Crying Dan for you. Uh, you know Crying Dan. <laughs> I do, but there are a lot of na- uh, uh, names lot like of that. Uh, Jesus, you go, here. Uh, classics. Yeah.
5: <laughs> you wouldn't like to say it in public, but they Who, classics. Th- the
0: other nicknames, do you...
5: <laughs> well, there's of the nicknames there.
0: Yeah. So they're all they're no one dealing now in antiques, they're all doing different things. But if you I mean the, the home of antique Simon was 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 Rakeel, What you like got it was? For years Flins, you had but for the, yeah Sheridans, Lashes, Sheridan, yeah. gamels.
1: None
5: of them fellas dealing now.
0: I suppose all the all the dealers in Rakhill uh people like the Flins and oh, the Sheridans and still
5: the Still there, there's none of them dealing. The only one is dealing there now, few of them. but <coughs> I'm still there. Pa Fling. He's still there, yeah. Are you related did, to Pa? I married his sister.
0: <laughs> yeah. For my sins. <laughs> what is the attraction, Simon, in Ratkeel? Why are there so many families dealing? Don't know. They learn off one another.
3: So
5: it's it like is a growing school. up with it, is it? That's
0: yeah. It's like a college. Mm-hmm.
5: And that, you, if you're in with the boys in Ratkeel, they all drink together.
0: Yeah.
5: And all the time. You're learning of one another. What use is being inside with a fellow that know nothing and know nothing about your job? It's just like a whole lot of builders inside in a the pub. They're all learning a bit of one another. whole lot of dealers in the pub, they're talking about this deal and that deal and this thing and that thing and things that sold and something would click in your mind, wouldn't it? If they said they got 400 for a thing like that. You had one, of them. you know you might have been taken two. You know it was worth four,
0: and that knowledge then is passed around, isn't the it? The knowledge, yeah. yeah,
5: of course this. But so anything you learn, did you learn it off other dealers?
0: Otherwise, you'd never learn it, would you? Well, we've come to the end of this week's podcast, and you've been listening to Anne Williams, George Thackpool, Nick Nicholson, Jerry Canyon and Simon Quilligan. If you would like to listen to the full interviews, you can do so by visiting our website and there you will be able to access the recordings. I'm Morris O'Keefe and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.